I want to thank our sponsors, Athletic Greens, who created AG1, one of the most innovative packets of supplements, including 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. These ingredients support your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy recovery, focus, and aging. I personally started using Athletic Greens and love the way I feel in the morning after I drink it. And I no longer have energy crashes throughout the day. And the best part is that it's delicious. The founder of Athletic Greens created AG1 because he experienced a ton of gut health and ended up on a complicated and expensive supplement routine to recover. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash yasmine. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash yasmine, Y-A-S-M-E-E-N, to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hi, my name is Yasmin Terehi, and this is Gateways to Awakening, where we host one-on-one conversations with leading experts in wellness, well-being, and spirituality. Today's episode is about finding your soulmate with Vedic astrology with Carol Allen. Carol is a happily married Vedic astrologer and relationship coach whose mission is to empower women to enjoy truly out-of-this-world love lives. Her methods are a unique marriage of East and West, combining her training in the astrology of India with cutting-edge real-world relationship research. So whether you're looking for a soulmate or want to deepen an existing relationship or heal lifelong love patterns, the answers are literally written in the stars. And she says almost anything can be made much better with your own right actions once you know the truth and what to do about it. I'm so excited to welcome Carol to the show. I recently connected with her and was very fascinated by Vedic astrology because I know so little about it. Um, So I'm excited to drop in and learn more. So welcome to the show, Carol. Aw, thank you so much, Yasmin. It's so great to be here with you. So Carol, to kick it off, can you tell us why, in your words, astrology is so important and oftentimes so misunderstood? Oh boy, how much time have we got? Uh, So... (laughs) There's this saying, as above, so below, and the solar system looks like a cell. It's got a sun that's the nucleus and the planets all spinning around it are like the protons and electrons, right? And uh, and so we are made up of billions of little solar systems, right? <laughs> uh, and then, of course, it's said that we're all stardust, that nothing is ever wasted and everything's constantly reused and repurposed matter never is wasted and so so i don't know how it works or why it works all i can tell you is that astrology is like having dna read for your soul mm-hmm. <laughs> and for your life's journey it's like having a map uh just like you know dna can tell you all about your genetics and your health and your ancestry, 
your chart tells you all about you and what will happen to you and who you are and all the different aspects of your life and talents and capacities and success and failures and what bones you'll break. I mean, it's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Fascinating. So Carol, can you tell us like, what is Vedic astrology and how is it different from other types of astrology that we're kind of used to in the West? So it is the system of ancient India and what's so fascinating. And I only knew Uh, only discovered when I was studying astrology is that pretty much every great civilization has had its own system. So there's Celtic and Mayan and Egyptian and Persian and Chinese and Greek and Babylonian and Hebrew. I mean, it's, it's really, really remarkable. And it, it clearly was a big game of telephone back in the day. You know, there's always been trade and war and, uh, intermarriage and travel, Uh, But there's some very powerful, unique features to Vedic astrology. And the biggest difference, and the thing that's always kind of shocking to people, is we calculate the charts differently. Mm. And from one system to the next, most people are not the same sun sign, moon sign, or rising sign. Uh, And there's a long astronomical reason for that. But in a nutshell, you know that story of Chicken Little and Henny Penny and the sky falling? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that is an ancient astro- astronomy story from India uh, that's talking about the fact that as the earth is wobble- is is spinning very quickly in one direction, it's wobbling very slightly in the other. And so over many, many years, what starts to happen very slowly is is if you look at the night sky year after year after year on the same date, the constellation, the constellations slightly shift in relation to the earth. And from our vantage point, it looks like the sky is shifting, but really what's happening is the earth is shifting in relation to the sky. And so the, the, the Western system, which is more commonly practiced here in the West you know, in, when you go get your hair done and you get like Vogue and, you, <laughs> and you're looking up your horoscope while you're getting your highlights or whatever you're doing, uh, that system and Linda Goodman and so many other amazing astrologers and writers, uh, that system thinks that what matters is the relationship of the earth to the sun. So they don't so much care that the earth shifts in relation to the sky, uh, but the Vedic system cares a great deal and doesn't look to the relationship of the earth to the sun. It looks to the relationship of the earth to the star signs, just like astronomers do. So over the centuries and now over millennia, the two systems initially had the same dates for the signs. And if you did your chart in both systems, it came out the same, but everything now is almost an entire sign off. And, um, uh, it's, it's shifted 24 degrees of what's called astronomical arc. So, yeah. So people find out, you know, they're not who they thought they were. (laughs) (laughs) And the truth is both work and both points of view have their value and you can get a great reading in both systems. Uh, but what I love about the Vedic system and the reason I use it, especially with relationship advice is that the the techniques for relationships are just astonishing and they go way beyond 
hey, Aquarius, you're good with Aries and Gemini and Libra. You know, they, they're so much more involved and nuanced and psychologically rich than what most of us initially were exposed to. Mm. Wow. I'm so excited to dive into that because I'm very curious. Uh, But just to kick it off for folks who are listening and may not know much about astrology and like what some of the kind of main um, pieces and components are, can you kind of define like what does it mean to have a sun rising and a moon uh, and, and why are these important to understand about yourself? Sure. So your chart your, your astrology chart and what an astrologer will work from is essentially a snapshot of the sky, the moment you were born from the location of your birth. And we then take that snapshot and we divide it into 12 sections and each section is called a house. And of course, in the sky is the sun and the moon. And then there's a, a, a house that we consider the first house is also called the rising sign or the ascendant. And that's the sign over the Eastern horizon at the time of your birth. And each of those, I call them the big three, the sun, the moon, and the rising sign. Each of those is going to reflect a different part of you, but a very important part of you. So the sun has a lot to do with our behavior, our identity, how people see us, our mission in life, what we're drawn to professionally, uh, has a lot to do with personality. The moon is really how we are psychologically, like how we relate to other people, how we feel, uh, how we connect emotionally or not, how we are in terms of, you know, romantic relationships, honestly, are so much more indicated by the moon than by the sun. Newsflash. And then the rising sign has a lot to do with the early life and then the attitudes and outlooks, beliefs, your persona, kind of the mask you show the world. So your appearance is often most indicated by the rising sign or the whatever planet is in charge, so to speak, of the rising sign. And so when you look at the three together, you can, you can really sense quite a lot about somebody. And sometimes in some people's charts, uh, all three might be very similar and sometimes they're quite different. And these are the people who are the most confused about themselves, right? (laughs) And they're the people who the rest of us are the most confused about. Um, but more important than what your signs are in Vedic astrology, way more important is something called yogas. And yogas are the patterns and the formations created in the chart. Like you might have all your planets and the sun and the moon squeezed in one quadrant of the chart, or they might be spread all around kind of forming a, like a circle or what's called a lotus. Uh, They might be all in like just fire signs or all in like water signs. All these things will be extremely informative as to why you are who you are. And they help answer the question, you know, why isn't every Aries athletic or every cancer a homebody or every Leo a boss or a manager? Uh, Because that's part of why people don't believe in astrology is they'll say, well, I'm nothing like my sign. Therefore, astrology is 
bunk, right? <laughs> and the truth is there aren't just 12 people in the world. We can't put everybody into these neat little groups. It would be so nice if we could. But a lot of people don't relate to just that. But when you break down their yogas, their most prominent, you know, uh, these patterns or these combinations, they will describe somebody to a T. I mean, it's mind blowing how powerful they are. So yeah. Wow. Uh, so fascinating. And we're going to do a little bit of a, a dive into my my chart and <laughs> translate it into the Vedic system. I'm very curious. Um, so I, I want to talk a little bit about uh, what it means when we talk about kind of what when Mercury is in retrograde or when there's an eclipse. You know, what does that mean? Because it sounds like everyone is always talking about that. Oh, you know, Mercury's in retrograde. Don't sign any contracts. Don't like, you yeah. know, technology is messed up. But what what does that mean? kind of from a, from a planetary and a cosmos perspective and, and why should we be paying attention? Well, I love that you asked that because I think Mercury in retrograde gets more press, so to speak, and more <laughs> kind of credence in people's life experience than anything else. And, and I figured this out when my Orthodox Jewish dentist was asking me about it. Cause he was like, man, boy, everybody's so weird when Mercury's in retrograde. <laughs> and then my computer guy was telling me like his phone rings off the hook when Mercury's in retrograde. My tell bank teller, you know, was talking about it. So it, it certainly is in the, the vernacular. People are very aware of it. And so what happens when a planet is retrograde? And by the way, somebody's always retrograde. <laughs> it's very <laughs> common. Um, what happens is the, the orbit of the earth and the planets around uh, the sun are not these perfect circles. They're what are called ellipses, which are kind of like squished uh, ovals. So we don't perfectly all maintain our relationship to each other as we're spinning around the sun. And then, of course, we're also not all going at the same uh speed or velocity. So sometimes in our, you know, travel around the sun, it, it, it appears that we pass a planet. Hmm. And just like when you're on the freeway and you pass another car, it creates like this optical illusion that now that car is traveling backwards. Remember being like a little kid and looking out the window and <laughs> yeah. lying in the backseat, right? So this is what a retrograde planet is. It's, it's like the earth has just passed a planet. And because of course our orbits are these ellipses, uh, we sometimes are closer to a planet than at others. So you can't say like, oh, Mercury's always this many millions of miles away. Sometimes it's closer. This is why we have super moons where the moon can appear so much larger. And it's because sometimes in its orbiting around us, it becomes closer too, because it's also on an ellipse. Isn't that interesting? Wow. So, so the thing that happens when a planet is retrograde is because it's closer, suddenly there's this intensity of you know, vibrations, if you will, or frequencies or energies from that planet and what it represents. So it creates, as a colleague of mine says, creates a power surge. But if you don't have a surge protector, it's too much. So it's like pouring coffee into a mug, but the coffee like overflows and, the, you know, suddenly you have coffee everywhere. So Mercury in astrology is the planet of technology and the planet of communication and contracts and business. And when it's retrograde, 
what's classic is what my computer guy said. Suddenly everybody's computer freaks out. Suddenly their phone dies. Suddenly their fax dies. Suddenly, you know, like the last time it was retrograde, I put a piece of paper in my copier or in my printer with a staple in it. (laughs) So (laughs) I was trying to recycle. I'm trying to be a good, good girl in 2022. And I kill my printer. Right. And that's like (laughs) so classic. I had to laugh. Um, So, so, but the other thing about retrograde planets is because they appear to be traveling backward. It's commonly a time where issues from the past come back Mm. to be reevaluated. So when it's Mercury, Mercury rules communication, but it also rules friends. Uh, So commonly this is when you're like, hear from old friends or hear from somebody you have unfinished business with or run into an old boss. And it's, it's like, we have this opportunity to kind of have more resolution in our lives or get the lesson that maybe we didn't get the first go around. So it's an awesome time to, you know, take something, some project off the shelf and rework it, but it's not a good time to start something new because it's hard to move forward with like business things, uh, communication things, eclipses, uh, that's a really other great question because eclipses can create incredible drama, like incredible drama. And so it's interesting. I was going to be interviewed on the news way back in the day because there was this ginormous eclipse. This was like 1999. And the thing about eclipses is people will think, oh, the ginormous thing is going to happen that day. But no, an eclipse lasts, you know, the the total experience of the pre-eclipse and then eclipse can often last hours. And so even though you don't see the moon disappearing or the sun going from, you know, day to night for hours, the whole process actually can be hours. And so for every hour, there's, in the case of the moon, there's a month of influence. And in the case of the sun, there's a year. So we had this ginormous eclipse in, uh, I believe it was 1999, that was in the sign of Aries and involved all these other planets and all these astrologers, all these Vedic astrologers all over the world said, oh, that's going to be some kind of world war with multiple countries. And of course, and it's going to be like starting in the next five years because it was five hours. So of course, 9-11 happened and then we're invading, you know, Afghanistan and Iraq. And, you know, we had Australia joining us and Canada joining us. And, you know, like it wasn't World War Three, thank God, but it was this very dramatic, intense thing. And so, so, so a lot of people notice eclipses because a lot of us get sick around eclipses. A lot of us get more sensitive around eclipses. There are more natural disasters within a week or two of eclipses. There was one uh, in October of 2022, October recently. And, uh, that very day there was a 5.0 in San Jose. And so the other thing about eclipses is they especially affect countries where they can be visibly seen. So in 2017, for the first time in 200 years, there was a total solar eclipse that literally was viewed going straight down the middle of the United States. And again, these things, the effects are hours, you know, the, the whole process takes hours and then the effects are a year for every hour. 
And the sun is the king in astrology. It's the symbol of the leader or, you know, the, the person in charge, the powers that be. And so, you know, what happened? Well, we had, it was the first time we had a president impeached twice. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> and uh, then, you know, it's the first time the country's been so insanely divided to the point where uh, whether you think it was an insurrection or not, or whether you think the election was stolen or not. I mean, these are such dramatic experiences that have never occurred in, you know, U.S. history. So, wow. so it's just fascinating because I was like, rut row, what's going to happen <laughs> in the next five years in the U.S.? And then, of course, we were more affected by coronavirus than any country in the world. We had the worst case rates and the worst death rates and the worst, you know, because we're number one. Right. So, <laughs> right. Wow. Yeah. So fascinating. Yeah. Just like how, yeah. how the, these things kind of in, can inform some geopolitical things uh, happening in the country. So Carol, can you tell me a little bit about the archetypal qualities of each of the planets and what they represent? Oh, absolutely. And, and actually it's interesting because people are so kind of oriented around astrology, around the signs so in terms of when you first meet someone or if you think you could like somebody or not, you always, you know, not necessarily everyone, but it's very common for people to want to know, ooh, what's that person's sign, right? Hey, baby, what's your sign? But more important than what your sign is, is what I call your planetary uh, personality profile. So each of the planets has, in, in astrology, each of the planets has certain qualities and certain personality traits that if they're prominent in our charts, imbue us with those qualities and traits. And you can tell just by talking to someone what planetary personality profile they probably are. And it's a lot easier than having to figure out somebody's birthday or having to track down their birth certificate <laughs> for their birth time. And you don't have to, you know, snoop and go into their wallet and look for their ID. You know, you can just figure it out just by talking to them. So for example, uh, a planetary personality for uh, somebody like yourself is you seem to me like a Jupiter person and Jupiter is the planet uh, of friendliness and optimism and faith and hope and uh, wanting to help and provide wisdom and knowledge. And Jupiter is associated with Jove. And that's where we get the word jovial. So Jupiter people are, you know, they live on the sunny side of the street, right? <laughs> now that doesn't mean that's all of you all the time. Uh, but I would say having hung out with you a little bit, uh, you definitely come off very Jupiterian. Uh, now, uh, another and very different energy would be, for example, Saturn and Saturn people are the people in the back of the room going, well, how's that, how's that going to work? And how long is that going to take? And, and I don't know if we have the budget for that. And, and anyway, a friend of mine did that and, you know, he died. Right? <laughs> so, um, so Saturn people are much more conservative, cautious, careful, their arms are crossed. They're a little more reserved, they're checking you out and evaluating how reliable you are before they are super friendly. Right. And 
they're they're much more security oriented. Whereas a Jupiter person is going to say, you know what, I'm just going to do this thing because I just feel inspired to. Whereas a Saturn person is going to say, you know what, I'm going to do that thing if my accountant says it'll be okay, and if the permits are are all taken care of and the paperwork is all signed and it doesn't rain, right? So, <laughs> so, so those are two completely different personality mm. types, right? And then we have, you, you know, like your Mars person. Mars is the go, 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 do, 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 out of my way, here I come. And oh, by the way, you're in my way, so I'm going to step on your neck to get <laughs> what I want. <laughs> now, that's an extreme version of it, but they're very blunt. They're very direct. They don't wait till they feel good to do something. They just, you know, they want to achieve a goal and they just go for it no matter how they feel. Right. So, so Mars people, you can tell because they're always climbing that next mountain and they have a lot of drive and courage and they're blunt and direct and straightforward. And when you tell them they can't do something, they go, Oh really buddy, watch me. Right. So they're competitive and they love a challenge. And then there's, uh, the foil to them is, uh, moon people and a moon person is all feelings. They're all heart. These are your social workers, your people who rescue puppies, right? And moon people want to do things because they're important and they're necessary and they provide meaning and they are, uh, you know, going to help someone. It's going to be of service. So moon people live in the world of, you know, sensitive feelings and in relationships, moon people have to feel right before they can take action. So when you get like a moon person and a Mars person together, you can see there can be some problems because right? <laughs> they're going to be like constantly getting their feelings hurt from the Mars person. And the Mars person is going to be like, come on, come on, come on. Why are we sitting here still talking about this? Right. <laughs> so, so just totally different energy. Wow. Um, yeah. And so you can do this for all of the planets. Venus, you know, we live in Los Angeles. It's full of Venus people. Venus people are fun and they're beautiful and they're super socially charming and they're really connected because they're just great to have around. And they're usually gifted artistically and uh, they indulge themselves. Venus people eat the best food, <laughs> sleep on the best thread counts, have the best essential oils, right? And uh, and they throw the best parties. And so, when you get a a Venus person uh, with like a Saturn person, they'll go to the Saturn person and they'll say, "Hey, let's have a party." And the Saturn person will say, "Well, what's that going to get you?" <laughs> <laughs> The Venus person will say, well, it'll be, it'll be a good time. And the Saturn person will say, well, that's frivolous. I don't have time to have a good time. <laughs> so, <laughs> so a Saturn person, and I'm making fun of Saturn people. I actually have a ton of Saturn in my personality, but, um, but anyway, it's super fun oh. looking at this and, uh, and we all, of course have all of them because we were all born in this solar system, unless some of your listeners weren't, I don't know. <laughs> Oh, it's so fun, Carol. Uh, and now I'm like wondering, oh, why am I not a Venus person and a Jupiter instead of a, a Jupiter person? <laughs> well, you might be. I haven't checked out your furniture or your shoes yet. So. 
Uh, so I've been to any of your parties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm new to to Los Angeles, so um, I did throw a lot of parties in San Francisco when I lived there. And Ooh, yeah, fun. yeah. Uh, so great, Carol. I'd love to talk a little bit about why understanding astrology is so important for romantic relationships. We touched on it a little bit in the beginning, uh, but if we could dive a little bit deeper into that, like and you could just give some examples, maybe in some of the oh my gosh, yeah, one or two examples that you you that stick out to you. Yeah. My, I mean, gosh, there's just so many ways astrology is so comforting for relationships. So first of all, I mean, let's call out the 800 pound gorilla in the room. Relationships are really intense (laughs) (laughs) and can be so painful for people and can be so hard. And you can meet someone and totally have that natural affinity and that instant wow and that chemistry, but that doesn't mean you have a destiny together. It doesn't mean you can create something that can grow. And so astrology is miraculous at explaining why two people feel as they do and can either move forward or not. And it, it, it's so confusing when we don't have a technology like this to try to navigate this blind because something can feel so right and then completely fall apart Mm. at any time. I'm sure you've noticed. (laughs) Um, and so whether it's looking at timing, which astrology looks at, uh, one of the things I talk about is that as much as half the population are what I call late bloomers in love, where they're not going to have a relationship that's full and lasting until they're older, until they're in their mid thirties and on. In fact, it was so sweet. I'll give you a little story since you said, tell a couple stories. We were just in Idaho visiting family, visiting my husband's relatives. And we have this darling niece and gosh, 15 years ago, I gave her a reading and I said, Oh, hate to break too, but love is going to be a source of a lot of lessons and growth opportunities, <laughs> oh right? God. Until your mid thirties, when you find him. So cut to, she's 34 and in her twenties, she had like a long relationship with a guy who was basically a bozo right? <laughs> and she had a lot of heartache and a lot of pain with him. And then She broke up with him and then went into a desert where she couldn't find anyone, couldn't find anyone, couldn't find anyone. And her mother, every time I would see her, would say, gosh, what do you think she's doing wrong? Because, you know, I teach women how to flirt and how to internet date and how to date because most of us are not naturally oriented this way. We don't come out of the womb knowing how to date, right? Right. So, (laughs) So... her mother would say, what do you think it is? And I, and I would always remind her, you know, I just think it hasn't been time. So we just visited and there she was with this wonderful man and they're madly in love and she's 34 and they've been together a year. And what's amazing is he was married to someone else and they were all friends. They were all on a softball team together. They never flirted. They never spent any time alone together. And his wife had a dream that he was supposed to be with her. And her heart was already elsewhere. 
And it was in part because of this dream that she left him, even though zero had happened between he and my niece. And isn't that incredible? Like, isn't that beautiful? So they now are together and both of them are happier than ever. And she said what clients always say to me when their destiny arrives, she said, all those years of hardship and loneliness, it all makes sense now. And I wouldn't change a thing. So that's an example of timing. And my own marriage was predicted for me seven years in advance. And I tried to play a little game called beat the planets (laughs) (laughs) where I was like, okay, Saturn, I got this. And, uh, I, there was just no way everybody I met was not right. And I literally went to a Christmas dinner with 30 other Vedic astrologers and we all did predictions for each other. And the entire party said, Mr. Right is coming. And I turned around like two weeks later and there he was right on schedule. And I got married exactly when I was initially told. So, and my all time favorite thing is that there's a technique used in India to this day, uh, to arrange marriages. And it's been used for centuries, perhaps even millennia. And it looks to the 15 different ways a relationship needs to work. And it ranks how strong or weak two people are together in these 15 ways. And it explains why you can feel that soulmate thing for someone who makes you crazy, right? Or why you can be with someone who makes you angrier than you've ever been or makes you feel super shut down or like you can't sleep in their presence or you just can't generate together. You can't create anything. Every time you try to build something, it falls apart or why you feel uh, that extra special rightness with someone. And uh, I mean, it's just astonishing. And so I'm so grateful to have learned all this and to have access to all of this because it's so it's just so helpful to be able to say to somebody, you haven't blown it. You haven't messed up. This relationship couldn't have worked. You know, I was on the phone yesterday with uh, a couple that I've known for years and they've been married 25 years. And for, for most of their marriage, they both have felt unloved and they have this combination between their charts that says, the woman won't feel cherished and the man won't feel respected. And the woman will always feel like the man isn't really focusing on her. And the man will always feel like no matter what he does, it'll never be enough. And I've told them about it before, but they're now at a crisis point. And I reminded them about it yesterday on a zoom call. And I didn't say this means you shouldn't be together because sometimes these things can be workable. There are some combinations where it absolutely means you can't be together, but this one isn't one of them. It's just painful. Um, And what was so amazing was they said they've had years of couples counseling. They've tried and tried and tried. And anytime they have a session with someone, they just end up arguing and it just turns into war. And talking about it through the lens of astrology took away any blame and validated exactly how they both felt mm. 
and made them able to have more compassion and softness towards each other than they've ever been able to do in a session about their relationship. So it was really, cause I've never talked to them as a couple before I've done readings for each of them separately. So it was really, you know, I, it's just so moving wow. to be able to provide that for people. Wow. Fascinating. Wow. So, so yeah. interesting. So, uh, wow. I'm so curious about all the different combinations, uh, that people, uh, come together and, and what that means from a Vedic perspective. Carol, I'd love to talk a little bit about, uh, my chart. So, um, I'm a Taurus sun, Cancer rising mm-hmm. and an Aquarius moon. And what does that mean in the Vedic philosophy? Well, so you are those things in the Western system, (laughs) (laughs) but not in the Vedic system. Now, not everybody switches all their signs. It depends. So if you're born at the very end of a sign in the Western system, like in the last six degrees, you'll stay that sign in the Vedic system. So some people get to be who they think they are, but your chart in when we do what's called the sidereal zodiac, which is again the star-based zodiac, not the sun-based zodiac, you end up being an Aries with Cancer rising and the Moon in Capricorn. And what's interesting, having spent some time with you again, um, is people with most of their planets in what are called movable signs, because Cancer is a movable sign. Capricorn's a movable sign. Aries is a movable sign. You also have Saturn in the sign of Libra, which is a movable sign. And you also have the sun in Aries with, I'm sorry, Mars in Aries with the sun. So your chart is overwhelmingly what's called movable. And the movable signs are also called cardinal signs, are the most creative and the most uh, cutting edge. Like they're always learning. They're always growing. They're always working on new stuff. They're always innately curious. They're always looking around the next corner. So they're always kind of ahead of the curve. They're always like, Ooh, what's that? What's that? What's that? It makes you a lifelong learner. It makes you just very engaged in life. And it creates a little bit of a restlessness because the movable signs are always on the move. So what do these people do? They always move. (laughs) (laughs) Or they're always changing. They're always changing careers, changing jobs. It's really great for always wearing more than one hat, which I know you do, right? For doing more than one thing, for doing more than one thing under the same banner. So, you know, if you wanted, I would say, you know, give seminars and write books and speak and have a private practice or consult or, you know, it's like, you're always going to be wanting to do something new and mixing it up. And so probably part of what you love about your podcast is you're always learning new stuff. You're always reading new books, talking to new experts, finding out new technologies and information, and you will always be insatiable in that way (laughs) for those experiences. And uh, yeah, so that's a yoga. Remember I was talking about yogas. The other thing is if I was with you, I would show you that all those planets are forming almost what's called a lotus where they're all in these, uh, angle signs, angular houses, rather the first, fourth, seventh, 10th. Again, most of your planets fall into, uh, the angle houses 
And when we say planets, we also include the sun and the moon in that. And lotus yoga is one of the yogas. And it's so beautiful. It's all about always being happy. You have a very cheerful disposition. You certainly seem happy. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Haven't hung out with you enough. <laughs> uh, always having a positive outlook, always feeling inspired, uh, always seeing, again, the silver lining, always being able to get what you need when you need it. It's one of the luckiest yogas a Turk can have. So, uh, yeah, so that's very fun. And then all the major planets, the sun, the moon, and then the the five planets of Venus, Mercury, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, not including the outer planets, Neptune, Pluto, Uranus, all of them fall into six signs. And when a person has all their planets fall into six signs, this is one of the best combinations for high character. So I'm just going to vouch for you to, about you to your listeners. <laughs> <laughs> this makes a person, uh, like my little ancient book says things like, this is the most excellent person. This person extends a helping hand to all. This person is good to their relations. Uh, this person is wise and it says you're foolish though. And it's foolish in the sense that people with this tend to follow their hearts and their feelings. And they don't always do enough of that Saturn stuff going, well, how long is it going to take and what's it going to cost? Right. (laughs) (laughs) And let me do a background check. (laughs) Right. So in relationships with a combination like that, if you feel a connection to somebody, you have to be very careful because as soon as you feel a connection, you're like in, right? And that isn't necessarily enough. Mm. And you still have to get to know someone because it gives you the ability to almost feel someone's essence. And everybody's essence is beautiful because we're talking about their soul, but their soul isn't necessarily encapsulated in a healthy personality. Mm. Right? Right. So you want to be sure their personality is healthy. Um, yeah, but you you also have Saturn exalted in an angle house, and that creates this powerful, great personality yoga called Sasa Yoga. And Sasa Yoga people are very thorough, detailed, methodical, organized, uh, and and late bloomers actually, and late bloomers in love actually. <laughs> so life gets better and better with age. So seriously, I know you live in LA, and it's hard as a woman. I know it well to live in LA and be over 20, but do a happy jig with every birthday. Cause this is the kind of chart where older's better. Mm. Older's way better. You're just getting started. Seriously. Get ready. <laughs> Don't forget the little people. <laughs> oh, amazing. Amazing. I- I'm also curious since, uh, I've always identified as a Taurus, like now that in the Vedic astrology, I'm, you know, if I'm an Aries, what does that mean in terms of people, you know, the compatible folks? Well, as I said, the sun isn't really what we look to for compatibility. We look to the moon. And uh, you would still relate a lot to Taurus because you have Mercury in Taurus. So you would think like a Taurus because Mercury is thinking and communication. And then your moon sign, and it's also the moon is your most important influence because it rules the rising sign. It rules Cancer and your rising sign is Cancer, your moon sign is Capricorn, which is an earth sign. And the earth signs are all similar, and Taurus is also an earth sign. So when you would have read about Taurus, and it would talk about loving the earth and caring about the environment and being very practical and 
very uh, thoughtful and deliberate and, you know, earthy, uh, you would relate, but not because you're a Taurus, because you have the moon in Capricorn. So anyway, you don't have to have a total identity crisis, but here's the thing, girl, you're a star. You have this fantastic podcast, which I'm grateful to be on. And you have the sun exalted. It's, it's in its most powerful sign in Aries. And you have it in the 10th house, which is its favorite house to be in. It's the career. And you have it with Mars. And Mars is also in its favorite house, in the 10th house. And what does this do? Great success. It makes you a leader. It makes you a boss. It makes you the queen of your realm. So, you know, hello. I don't know if your listeners know, but like, hello, you have, you know, some showbiz stuff besides this podcast. <laughs> and you're kind of a go-getter and uh, you're very driven and you're very busy and that's all very Aries. So fascinating. Yeah. That's super cool. Yeah. yeah. It makes a lot more sense. Cause I think a lot of people have always been like, you seem like a, you have a lot of fire in your sign. And I was like, I don't, you know, I don't. And, and now, you know, now it, now it makes a lot more oh, sense. Yeah, <laughs> now I'm like, I'm, I do have, I'm very fiery. Um, so I, I Carol, I want to talk a little bit about uh, some of the things that have surprised you the most on this journey of, I don't know, I think you've been doing this for, was it 25, 30 years or so, uh, working, oh, gosh. working with, since the earth. Cooled. Oh my gosh. It's a long time. I'm sure you've heard a lot of great uh, stories and probably have changed your perspective so many times, but what do you think, like what surprised you the most after doing so many readings um, and kind of coming, especially coming out of the pandemic? Well, I mean, I have to say probably the greatest surprise and the greatest comfort at the same time is that there really is order in the universe. Our lives feel so random and they're not. The Vedic system is very faded and destined. It's like, you know, I don't know how much free will we have, not to freak you all out, but the Western system says you can do anything and be anything and set your mind to it. Because guess what? That's a very Western philosophy. The Eastern system is much more aligned with Eastern philosophy. Remember at the end of Slumdog Millionaire when he was playing <laughs> that Who Wants to Be a Millionaire game? And the last question was, it is written, right? The answer to the last question. I just ruined the movie mm. for anyone who hasn't seen it. <laughs> but uh, but basically, the greatest surprise has been that nothing is a surprise. You know, it's like right now, if you look at the charts of R Russia and Ukraine, it's totally all there. I, I have colleagues that predicted the war, predicted the day it would start. I have colleagues that predicted the pandemic 10 years in advance. And I have to say, when it comes to relationships, it's never wrong. I have never, ever, ever seen a couple where there's no way it could work in the stars and had, had it work. I have a client, she just met a new man in the last month. They've been talking every day. They've been hitting it off like crazy on the phone. And they love each other's pictures. And they've been having just soulful, deep, rich, intellectual, hilarious conversations. And I kept saying to her, be careful, be careful, be careful. I don't want people having 37 phone calls before they meet because <laughs> you know where this is going, right? And so I looked at their, she finally got me his birth info. I looked at their charts last night and I said, you know, wah, wah, not a match, like not at all. They had this one date and it totally short-circuited. He was weird. He was defensive. <laughs> he was super sensitive. He got insecure. He got strange. I mean, it's just like, there's no way they could work together. It would always short circuit. 
And in one date it did, and it didn't matter that they'd have this blast on the phone. So, so that's been the greatest surprise and the greatest comfort. Fascinating, Carol. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so w- what sort of, you know, people in your life have been your greatest mentors or teachers uh, while on this path? Like, who do you look up to now? Oh gosh. Well, the best thing in my chart is this is the part of the chart that has to do with gurus and teachers. And so I've been just unbelievably blessed. I had four Vedic astrology teachers. One of them died a couple of years ago, which was really painful. Um, and so, gosh, these days who do I, you know, I'm, I'm an elder now. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I look more across than up these days, but, uh, I don't honestly know, you know, I mean, the true, the true definition of the word guru is anything that lights the lamp of your consciousness. So a tree can be your guru. You can have a guru moment with a kitten, right? And so I have to say, I'm just really enjoying everything, like everything and finding inspiration everywhere. And I have to laugh. I have to laugh. And I, I find uh, the, the greatest wisdom on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And um, the greatest teachers are kittens in my life. So, you know, when, when you don't know where I am, I'm looking at kitten porn. I, I've actually ignored real kittens to, to watch kitten porn. So I know that's not a very soulful, deep, rich answer. So sorry, everyone. But I will say my latest favorite book, and I'm not an affiliate and I get no money for it, and I don't even know this guy, is called This Is How Your Marriage Ends. And his name is Matthew Frey, F-R-A-Y. This is how your marriage ends. You could substitute the word marriage with relationship or job or family. And it's so beautiful and simple the way he writes about what kills love. And it's, I have full body chills just thinking about it. And basically what he says is it's not the great crimes that kill our relationships. It's not abuse or addiction or infidelity or, you know, financial shenanigans. It's the day in day out little hurts. It's the, it's the death by 10,000 cuts, right? It's all the little moments we feel separate and too many of those happen for too long and it's game over. And so he talks about how to avoid that. And, and to him, it's like, this is a, this is an inevitability in most of our relationships. And he said something so profound. I just read the book like a month ago. He said, most of us are running around thinking we're good people because most of us are. But the danger of thinking I'm a good person is that if somebody then complains to you about your behavior, <laughs> <laughs> and if you had a good intention and most people like you and think you're a good person, you're not going to give that person's input or feedback very much credence. You're going to go, what's with that? (laughs) I'm awesome. They need to think about it differently or they're too sensitive or, or, or. And so in these sneaky ways, even really good people can be really bad partners Mm. because they dismiss the people they love in so many ways, subtle and not so subtle. And I would love to tell you, it's just men that do this, right? Because <laughs> uh, he even says men are more guilty of this because women have a lower threshold for conflict and pain because we're 
hardwired to be more sensitive to it because we're the caretakers of babies biologically, mm. you know, the guy doesn't need to stick around for the baby to live, but the woman does because of nursing. So, so we have a lower threshold. So we notice emotional upset more quickly and we'll start talking about it sooner. And a lot of men are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I will tell you, I've had to course correct a ton of women that have said, can you believe he said that to me? And I'm like, Hey, 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 he said it. And that means you have to care. So you better apologize that you dismissed him. Right. So I will say that wow. kittens, SNL. And <laughs> oh my gosh. Friend. Okay. Well, we are adding that. I'm, I'm going to be adding that to my <laughs> Amazon queue um, for sure. And um, yeah, it's so interesting. It's the small things. Um, and I think, you know, relationships, someone said this once, relationships are just the hardest game in town. Right. And I think uh, now more than ever, we're sort of being tested um, in our relationships. And I just, I also just love that there is something about our star signs that will allow relationships to thrive in certain ways, in, in some ways right. and not in others. And, and there's like, no one's wrong and there's no one's, nobody's fault, but, and I mean, they think that's true even a friendship, right? You know, there's some people who are just like, wow, it's a, yeah. a hell yes, like very easy, right. easy, easy to hang out with certain people. And then with others, um, just a lot of triggers, right? And it's just so fascinating. Like, what is it about you know, right. certain connections that make us feel that way. So Carol, can you tell us a little bit about the astrology calendar that you have and how we can use it? Oh my gosh. So this is the best idea I ever had. So I noticed that certain days of the month, every month were always the best in my life. And certain days were always the worst. And it always coincided with where the moon was. And so I started doing this for clients and then I started making calendars with like literally stickers and Hallmark calendars. And it got so I was up till three in the morning making calendars all the time because people love them so much. And so I was super fortunate. I found some programmers and I made, we programmed these calendars and that was like 20 years ago. And to this day, it's the, the most popular thing in my catalog. And uh, so basically what it is, is it's a, it's essentially a horoscope every day just for you using your entire chart wow. with symbols for the day. So like good days for dates or meeting people or love are symbolized with hearts. Days that are more stressful have dinosaurs, right? Days that are like the best for work have smiling suns. And uh, days where you should sort of be more behind the scenes have like a blue smiley face, like, am I blue? And, uh, clients buy them year after year after year. And so I wanted to give a sale price just for your people because you're so awesome and they're so much fun. Uh -huh. And it's such a great planning tool. It helps you decide like, what day should I have my party? What day should I travel? What day should I not go on that really important interview and try to reschedule it? Uh, so that you can align yourself. It's almost like with the celestial weather, so to speak. 
and have the best outcomes. Mm, Wow. Amazing. Amazing. Okay. And so we'll include the link to that in the show notes for those of you who want to purchase it and you'll get the special sale price for just our audience. Yeah. So that's it. So all they have to do is type yes, (laughs) like yes means (laughs) why yes, queen, right? Y-A-S in the coupon code box and hit apply and it will, uh, it'll take 66% off the price. Oh, so it'll wow. Be a whopping, whopping sale price. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. So yeah. YAS in the coupon code on the website and you'll get a full calendar for how you should schedule all your, your days in your life. Uh, yeah. 20... Or they can just go to the link that we give you either way. Yeah. Perfect. 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 Amazing. Amazing. Uh, so Carol, unfortunately we've run out of time, but I am so fascinated. We'll have to have you back on again. Um, just so, so, so fascinated in this work. What do you want to tell our listeners about their well being and wellness and relationship health as your main takeaway with the work that you've done and also just your philosophy in life? So in Vedic astrology, we talk about something called Dharma and Dharma is essentially being who you're divinely designed to be. And the main takeaway I want people to get is that the things that light you up, the things that bring you joy, do that because they're aligned with your design. They're aligned with who you are. And we're here to be who we are and we're here to do what is ours to do. So all you got to do is follow your joy. That's it. Mm, Love that so, so, so much. Carol, where can people find you if they want to book a reading or sign up for one of your courses? Oh my gosh. Well, I give workshops to women and I uh, help people in all kinds of ways. And then I have all these fun, really inexpensive reports and everything lives at loveisinthestars.com. Loves and stars. And I would love to hear from your people. So thank you so much for including me today. Oh, thank you so much, Carol. And for our audience, thanks for joining and for listening. In this episode, we learned about Vedic astrology and how to find your soulmate with Carol Allen. And you can tune in to Gateways to Awakening, where we host one-on-one conversations with leading experts in wellness, well-being, and spirituality. Thanks again.